Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you are looking for a great gift for yourself or somebody that you care about, consider getting them a Find the Magic journal. It is a journal that each of us use daily that helps us with questions in the morning that it asks you and that you do a little bit of journaling to help you focus on what's important for the day and really make steps each day towards your goals. And then it also has a section to plan out your day so that things don't slip away from you and there's even a section for you to reflect at the end of the day and I have found that as I've used it it's been so powerful for me in really living my life in an intentional way so if you'd like a journal just go to findthemagic.co and click on the top link that says FTM journal. So again, that's findthemagic.co and just click on FTM journal. Thanks so much. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay. All right, everyone, this is Felicia and I'm going to start us off with a facepalm today. Um, depends on how far away you are from my yard. It could be a high five that I have a lot of beautiful flowers growing, but if you're up close, it is a face palm because they are all dandelions (laughs) (laughs) and I guess not technically in my grass, but in my flower beds, it's out of control. It is just on another level. And at this point, it's really just full shovels that I would have to do to get them all like it's not really weeding it's like what do you like <laughs> extracting a <laughs> it's a grove of dandelions so I'm just leaving them where they are for now you know well, what the thing is though I've seen it because I've been to your house and it actually like I feel like dandelions don't look as nice in a nice thing of like I feel like it's socially unacceptable well you know the powers that be have deemed it that we shouldn't have it in your grass but Honestly, in your flower garden, it they just look like they kind of are. I mean, they're flowers, part of your flower garden. They actually look pretty good. They're like Oops, really happy. Nice. Looking. Dandelions are bad. You can eat them. Yeah. yeah. They make great tea, I hear. I've never actually made it before. And that's very good for you. And they're good for honeybees. So, I mean, maybe just call it intentional. Yeah. <laughs> that's Start I'm wearing going- a save the dandelion shirt have you ever seen it yeah. like just just start wearing that and be like hey i'm like doing this i'm creating a dandelion garden this is a movement all right that's this year i'm going with it i love it i love it i was in a grass though then it might be a little crazy yeah the yes. puffs. oh but so many wishes you can make a lot of it's wishes so on the puffs yeah <laughs> yeah i used to have a neighbor growing up who i am not kidding you he would come and pick dandelions in our yard because he was so afraid of the puffs getting into his yard 
So I remember, I mean, I'd come home from school and he'd be like picking dandelions out of our yard. And I was like, that's devotion. And we were like six, we were like six houses away from this guy. So, I mean, he was picking a lot of dandelions. Wow. What I'm saying is whether or not neighbors like puffs, you can make, I mean, like those are my favorite things to make wishes on. You know, where you try to get off all the little seeds in one blow. It's Mm -hmm. very fun. So So it's mostly a win in every way. (laughs) High five. Let's make that into a high five. High five. Garden. Yes. Okay. Well, mine is most definitely a facepalm. I feel like sometimes when I give these, I'm like, well, it's kind of a high five. No, this one was all the way a facepalm for sure. Because Cameron went out of town this last weekend and um, he went for a boys trip and it was so fun for him. And it was a great time for me, but it was the longest time that I've gone without him home and while having kids. And the first night he was gone, I was like a little bit spooked. That's kind of my personality anyway, but I was just like a little spooked. And um, I had finally gone to sleep. I woke up around one. I think I heard the baby. So I woke up, heard him. He went back to sleep. But then as I was dozing back off, I hear – so like, you know, in that state of mind where you're not quite asleep, but you're like – there, you know, you're like on the border. Yeah. I hear this loud, abrupt chirp. And I'm like, come out. And I'm like, was that in my dream? What was like, what was that? But it was just enough that I was like, no, I don't think it was. So I like started to kind of go back and then I hear it again. And I'm like, what is that? Like, I'm like, what is going on? So then, cause then I'm like, and it's loud enough that I'm like, is that my fire alarm? Is that what kind of what is it? I don't have a house alarm. I don't want to wake wake up the kids because that would be horrible. And then so then I'm like so now I'm up. I'm like going through my house, like trying to listen at because it only happens every minute. So I'd have to like wait a minute till the chirp would happen again. So I'm like listening at every alarm that I have. It was the carbon monoxide alarm in my bedroom. But anyway, and it was low on battery. Which if any of you guys have had that, it's horrible because yeah, it takes a while to figure out what it is. And then because it's in the middle of the night, which it seems to always happen then, then I had to read the back of the thing to actually make sure, do I need to exit my house? Like, is there actually something wrong? How many dangerous? I don't know. And how much time in between? (laughs) Yeah. Cause they have different, you know, it's like if it burps, if it, if it burps, (laughs) if if it chirps every minute, then it means this. Anyway, turns out it was just a low battery, but even in the meantime, I took it out and it was still beeping like when I had it out of its outlet and I had taken out the batteries. So then I was trying to find – it was this whole thing and finally it did stop beeping because then I couldn't find the right battery. Like I was like, oh no, like I can't find it and long story short, it finally did stop beeping. But this was after a whole – I mean you can imagine it was quite the escapade. So then I finally laid back down and it probably took me another hour to go back to sleep because I had been awake like – walking around my house Highly aroused. Yes. <laughs> so then anyway so it was a full face palm just to low carbon monoxide alarm things and I felt very like some serious feelings of anger towards the alarm I was not happy about it I was not happy about it anyway. my question is first of all I didn't even know the chirps meant different things I always just unplug them and throw them in the garage when that happens in the night because they're <laughs> so annoying that would have been but, smart but second of all why why nighttime? I think everyone in my entire adult life that has ever run out of batteries has run out in the middle yeah, of the night. Mine too. That's what yeah, I want to yeah. ask. If I could talk to these little alarms, I'd say, 
why night? Why night? <laughs> why now, brown cow? Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> choose, choose 7 a.m. And, and after. <laughs> 7 to 10 would be fine. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I feel you on that. Feel you bad. On, especially on high ceilings, there's there's a time in our old house where, I mean, you had to get like a giant ladder to get to this thing. It's like three Ooh. in the morning. Both Jeff and I are up. We're trying to get – anyway, it was like <laughs> – Finally, I was like, you know what? Can we shoot it with a shotgun? Like, what's our options here? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I've been there. So this is Tara Lynn, and my high five today goes to – I'm going to say it goes to vulnerability, and I'm watching for my daughter. So my oldest, she's 13. She's in seventh grade, and ah, I remember these days in junior high. It happens in high school too and college. But you have to decide everything you want to do for the next year within like a month period. And then you have to audition and try out for any of these things. And they all take a lot of work. So I, you know, she has chosen to audition and try out for a couple different things. And she's totally owned it, like, you know, prepared what she can. But some of them, well, one of them specifically has required a lot of time on my part because it's something that I did as a kid. And so it's actually something that I can't help her with. Like, for example, she did a scene, like try out for singing stuff. I don't know how to, like, I, I don't sing. So, I mean, I could help her a little bit and I knew people who could help her, but like, I didn't, she, she kind of did most of it on her own, but this thing I'm helping with. And it's just, guys, it's making me face inside of myself. It's one thing as a parent, as well, it's one thing just as yourself to try for something that you want, knowing that you might not get it, right? I mean, we do that all the time. And for all the words I say about failure and, you know, failing is good. And, you know, we have those conversations all the time. And I truly believe that. But still, I mean, I can think of tons of things I've done myself where I'm trying, knowing that there's a good chance of failure. And oftentimes I do fail. But then watching your kid, oh my gosh, I am feeling, guys, I am feeling a lot. Like I'm having to like do morning routines just based around like thought process work so that I'm coming at this clean. So I'm not like putting stuff on her that she doesn't need to have on her because it's hard to watch your kid really put themselves out there and try and go through the emotions of, you know, it's a lot. And we also have soccer season right now and all these things that, I mean, watching her kind of try to figure out what she wants to do. And she's getting to an age now where she has to decide that she's having to like cut down on things because everything is becoming more time, right? So she's having to choose. And watching her go through that process of like, this is hard to say yes to this. I have to say no to this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I feel that too. I mean, we just talked about that last week on our podcast that to say yes to something you love is to say no to something else, you know? So my high five just goes to being vulnerable, trying for things and going with failure when it comes and celebrating successes when it comes to celebrating both, I guess. I'm, I'm, trying this week to really live that. And it's, I'm going to call it a high five. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. I, yeah, I apologize for that. I feel like that would be really hard. I can't imagine because I feel like just those tween teenage years is a whole nother level of watching your kids go through some hard things that does require failing. And oh yeah. So I applaud you for like doing your own work to be in a clean space, to be able to like be there for her. I think that's cool. Yeah, it's intense. And that kind of leads us to this topic. I mean, we, we talk about it. We've kind of hinted at it recently, but this one was really something that I was feeling strongly about and I'm really excited to talk about it. And the, the topic we're choosing is praise. So, and again, I, I feel like we kind of do a little bit about this often, but 
it's so challenging because I feel like as parents, we just want to give our kids the tools that they can have to succeed. And oftentimes we reach for praise thinking that it's going to help them. And so to be clear, I'm not, we're not, we're not saying that praise is good or bad. What we're saying, we're going to walk you through some research that we have read over the years and some of our own experiences. And we're going to kind of talk about the kind of praise that's helpful. And then there is some kind of praise that actually is the opposite of helpful. Like it actually does the opposite of what we're hoping it's going to do. And then we're also going to kind of move through what it means to make it authentic, right? So we're going to talk about the different kinds of praise that work and the kind of praise that doesn't. So starting out, the the main kind of framework with all the research that we've read and experienced is that the framework for to starting out with praise is effort-based is oftentimes good, right? So for example, um, they did studies on children who, and we'll link several of the articles that we referred to here, but kids who are just told over and over and over, like if you, your child brings home a math test, let's say, and it's good. It's a good math test. The options you could say, oh my gosh, you're so smart. You got hundred percent on your math test. Well done. That, that kind of praise where it's just, it's called like fixed mindset praise where you're praising the end result and you're just saying, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Your child internalizes that as to be smart. I have to get hundred percent on my math test. And children who are praised like that, they've shown that they're more likely to cheat later to get that score, right? Because they think that to be smart, I got to get good on my math test. So, and I'm just using the math test as an example here, but I'm just saying our kids do an effort. We praise the effort just by the result and by saying, oh my gosh, you're so smart. Um, What happens is then they just get locked on. I have to live up to that. And if I don't, then I I care less about actually learning the math. I just want to look like I'm smart, right? So an alternative to that, and that also goes along with praising, this is a whole different concept, but telling one kid they're smart with the other kid sitting there makes the other kid automatically feel like they're not smart. So we've talked about that in our comparison episode, so I'll link that in the show notes. But so an alternative, if we're, if we're talking just about effort praising here or, or growth mindset praising, how that would sound would be, you got 100% on your math test here with, and you're doing this like with connection, right? So you're really there. You got 100% on your math test. Tell me what you did. You can either say, how does that feel? That's a great question because then you're just connecting with them. Another option is you worked really hard on learning about parabolas. I love that word. You worked really hard on that. And look, you got 100%. Like you're praising the work, right? Or wow, what I like to say, because sometimes I don't know how much work my kid put into something. Sometimes I do. I can tell they studied for a long time and I can say, you spent a lot of time studying for that history test. I'm really proud of you for that. That one's easy. But oftentimes when my kids show me something or they tell me about something, I don't know how much effort they put into it. So something I like to say is, how did it feel learning that? And I just listen to what they say. So for example, you know, Savannah will say something like, you know what, this this thing in science was actually really hard for me to learn. And it's great because we can have a conversation about, wow, it was hard at the beginning. I love having the conversation with my kids about, so you're saying you're, it was hard at the beginning and then the more you learned it now, now is it hard for you? And she'll be like, no, now it's easy for me. Now I really understand like photosynthesis, but it was really hard at first. So it's so fun because 
you're you're praising the the concept that oh my gosh this is so cool and you're kind of for me it's almost like a celebration of how cool it is to live this life where we can learn stuff right so growth based praise is just praising their effort which is helpful fixed mindset praise is just praising the end result which can can tend to them just getting obsessed with the end result and that those that actually is not what we want. So that's kind of like a general guideline, but but there's a lot of kind of additions to this that we're going to flesh out. But do you guys have anything to add to the whole effort versus yeah. result? Yeah. Thing? I actually have before we dive too deep into like that um concrete split of how we respond. I think there's a a couple things worth mentioning that when we first brought up like thinking about praise one, I was like, what it, it kind of felt a little bit like a privileged problem to even think about that we're like around our kids so much that we're like, how should I make them feel about the situation they're having? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was yeah. like, what? Like, why yeah. is this even a question? And so it brought up two things for me. It brought up one, it's it's helpful for me to realize what I'm even thinking. I should be praising about because it's showing me where I'm placing value and just helping me question and make sure those are things I, I even want to be placing value on over other things. And also how that is being communicated to my kids because they're each going to value and be more inclined towards different things. And I want to make sure that I'm not only looking to praise or worry about praising things and or not praising things that I care about. So just a pondering question. I have no answers. Um, And then the other thing. So these are two like thoughts I want to give to you guys. And we have not talked about this before. I'm just like throwing this on Terrilyn and Caitlin right now. (laughs) The other thing is when we were researching praise, I just thought, why do we even why should we even think about praise? And for me, the answer was, and we'll link a podcast that like tickled my brain with this, is in the end, we want our kids to be, have intrinsic value, be self-confidence, have a stable sense of self. And the question is, where is that worth coming from? And I think it's very important in a world of social media. Is it coming from the outside or is it coming from the inside? And we want to make sure we're building a type of self-worth that's coming from inside. Because like Terrell saying, at any point, an extrinsic, extrinsic sense of self-worth can be taken away. We open our social media. There's no likes. There's no comments. Nobody's following us. And we automatically feel like we don't have worth. Or we score a goal. And we turn to the sideline and no one's like, you're the best kicker on the team. And so we don't know how to feel about our soccer goal because we've always been validated extrinsically. So mm-hmm. I think that's like the bigger question as parents. We are like, how do we foster intrinsic self-confidence? Especially, I feel like it's like magnified a million times for kids who wake up every day and the first thing they do 
for a lot of like tweens and teenagers is look outside themselves for confirmation of their worth. Yeah. So for me, it like yes. kind of came to that, even though we're talking about toddlers in the beginning, you know? Right. Well, and I think, yeah, you bring up an excellent point because that that's where it starts, right? Like it starts when your baby is doing stuff. And if, if all of a sudden we are reacting in a way that turns them to us when they do something that, you know, is just like a cool achievement for them, like being able to climb up on something. If they're then now looking for us for validation, it does, it kind of takes away that intrinsic value that they can see in themselves. So I think that's one of the biggest, I think, benefits to kind of being aware of how and when we praise, there is that benefit of what we want to do. And I think a tool to think about is how can we orient our kids back into themselves and how they're feeling rather than looking out. And I think um, I think there's two things that come to my mind. And one of them is something that I think we talk about a lot. And again, it comes back to pausing. So like if some if your kid does something, whether it's a baby crawling up on something and like learning how to pull themselves up to stand or your kids scoring a soccer game, uh, like a goal at a soccer game, you can like if they tell you something, if they're old enough to be able to tell you something, you can simply pause and like either they'll keep going and then you can ask like asking questions can help like further that connection rather than sometimes I think if we go to simply like the like, oh, good job, like you did this, it's it can be almost like a conversation ender of like, yeah, good job. And now it's kind of like there's nowhere to go from it rather than if your kid comes to you and says, I like I scored a goal, like, oh my goodness, you can say like pause and then ask a question like what we talked about of like, yeah, how did that feel for you? Like, how are you like, how did you feel about that? And um, what's fun about that is that then it allows them to think inside, like, that felt amazing. Like, I felt so, like, I felt this, I felt this, I felt this. Um, And they can feel it themselves. Like, we're turning themselves and we have that opportunity. We can still celebrate with them and be there with them. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be, like, calmly, like, so what about you? Yeah, like, we... Yeah, you kind of match their energy a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And I think think sometimes, because at least for me, when I first, first, first really thought about like praising kids, I feel like it almost like took me a step back because I think my tendency is to be like, pray, like maybe a little bit over praising. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's easy when you first kind of learn about this, you're, you're trying to practice and maybe rework your natural reactions. But in that, I also think that there's an importance to, we don't have to be vanilla with our reactions all the time either. I think there's like a lot of value. Like if you're feeling a lot of excitement for your kid too, I think that you can let that authentic feeling show, but I think being aware of helping them see their own feelings inside rather than looking to us and like, mom, what did you think about that? Like we can still like match their excitement and feelings. I don't think we have to like suppress that, which I think sometimes it feels like that when we talk about this, where it's like, okay, I can't, I can't act too excited about this because I do want them to feel their own intrinsic value. You know what I mean? I think we can still be genuine and help them orient themselves in and recognize their own feelings too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in, in validating, like we don't need to generate their good feeling and like mm-hmm. put our energy into it. But I think in acknowledging the natural outcome of their efforts, we help them. It's almost like we're shining a little light on their how they feel about the situation. So 
So it's like mm-hmm. bringing their attention to their intrinsic feeling. And mm-hmm. we talk about the pause a lot, but I mean, if you, if you have a situation <laughs> with your kid where you're like, okay, this is a moment. How am I supposed to respond again? <laughs> like the, the pause, like just pausing in general, it gives kids a moment to feel how they're going to feel about the event and yeah, exactly. if all else fails, match it. Wow. You look so excited. You scored a goal. <laughs> like just match, yeah. match. If you're like confused, like, Oh, what do I do? It's like match their, match their energy. And I mean, mm. think of all the times I can think of times where I've probably taken away, like maybe they scored the goal, but then they realize in the pause that they ran in front of their friend and took the ball in the heat of the moment. And so actually after they score, they're feeling a little bit like, Oh, you know, I would never know that if I'm just like, yes, you're the best ever. It's like maybe in the pause and in a reflection with them, they're like, yeah, but I really want to be the kind of player that passes. And you can like have that like really genuine moment with them of reflection that you maybe wouldn't have if you're just like, good job. I think it's Janet Lansbury who says, that ends the conversation. Like there's no further like connection after that. Mm-hmm. And the word good job. The thing I love about when Janet Lansbury talks about praise is for her, she's like, I mean, yeah, just like doling out good jobs, like little like dog treats, you know what I mean? Isn't helpful. But then she says, but if you truly, like if somebody really did and you were like, oh my goodness, you really did a good job and you're saying it in a connected way then we're going back to the authenticity and connection and there's time for that too. So I mean, the last thing we want is somebody to leave this conversation and think like, I don't know what to say here. I've heard grandparents sometimes be like, so what can I say here? They just drew a cool picture. Like, what are my options? (laughs) You know, I can't say, I can't say good picture because that's end result. Like, it's very confusing. So the last thing we want to do here is create confusion. So in the end, authenticity, and I think matching is fabulous and celebrating. Okay. So, and for me, art is actually my favorite. Art is one of my favorite things to practice this on though. So I know I just use art as like a joke example, but art is a really fun example. When my kids bring me their art, I love saying with happiness, cause I'm legitimately happy to see this. So it isn't like I'm like stone cold, like I shall not praise this. You know, I'm like smiling at them and I just say, oh, tell me about your artwork. And it is so fun because then they get a I wouldn't even, half the time, I don't even know what it is. You know what I mean? And I learned that it's a whale and I thought it was like a flower, you know? So <laughs> just asking the question and it does, it turns it back to them. And it's, it's not even like, why, like, I don't even have to say if it's a hundred, like, I don't have to be like, oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I just get to be excited with them and have them tell me about it. And we both leave feeling connected. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm so, I'm like loving this concept of internal versus external validation because I mean, we are a society of other humans. So of course we, it feels good to be validated and it feels good to be seen and observed. So for me, it's like the subtle difference of feeling like, are we having our children do things? Like I'm picturing like mice and all those studies where they just learn to push a lever. You know what I mean? Like I push the lever, I get this. We don't want our kids to be doing things to push the lever to get us to say positive things to them. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's the reward. Our reward is our positive praise that we give to them. We don't want that because in the end, yeah, we want to intrinsically motivated. We want them to do things and do the right things and do things that are wonderful or try for things and fail, whatever it is. But we want them, we want the motivations to be intrinsic, right? Mm -hmm. So 
in order to do that, yeah, I think it's important that we're not just like every, just like randomly like doling out like, good job, blah, blah, blah. Like just throwing stuff out as the, we are the reward. But, but I think it's impossible to ignore the fact that because we are social creatures, witnessing and validation feel, it does feel good. And I love those, like when we ask them questions, just like you said, Caitlin, kind of bringing them back to themselves. But there is something really beautiful. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I think that question, that thing that you said, Caitlin, about bringing them back to themselves, and then what you said, Felicia, about matching them, what keeps coming to my mind is my um, my kids' school teachers are really trained a lot in Carol Dweck's growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Like they go to conferences about it. And they always say in our parent-teacher conferences, they'll be like, okay, so parents, our assignment to you is here, you know, because you know, when they've done really great things, they're like, we just want you to celebrate Savannah. That's, that's what we want from you is celebrate her. And it isn't like a, by, it doesn't mean that has to be celebrate her with rewards. It doesn't have to be from something on the outside, but just truly like we go home and we talk about, okay, Savannah, tell us then how you got that on your, she has this thing called the summit page. Tell us how you did that. And like, just let her share her efforts with us and witness it, right? And validate it and match her excitement. I think I think there's a beautiful thing of connection when we can just witness each other and our kids feel like they can show us something and we can like see it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I see you. I see what you did and I'm with you. Yeah. Like I'm celebrating this with you. I think that's a really, I don't know. It's a nice, it's really powerful because we do... Regardless of, I mean, yeah, I would like to say everything I ever do is intrinsically motivated, but I'm also a communal creature who I don't want to be doing things for just like outward tokens of dopamine. You know what I mean? Like, tell me, stroke my ego, please. But from people that I love, for them just to witness my effort and like celebrate with me when it works and to sit with me in my pain when it doesn't, like, I think that is really powerful. And just that shift in mindset, I think, helps us align a lot with what we want. And makes the smaller actions seem less important when we're going with that vision, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a quote from Magda Gerber and it's just a really simple one, but I think it's an, it's a nice, it's one of those things that I think can help guide when we're thinking about these situations. But she says, instead of praise, acknowledgements, like when you're thinking about it. And I think, and again, we're going to talk about like praise is good, but I think sometimes Instead of letting praise, because when we praise too much, it it is it does become empty, like we talked about. They become a little bit more meaningless for our kids, and our kids can sense that. But acknowledging is different. Like we are fully being, we're giving our children and our our people. Like this applies to adults too, but like our full attentiveness to them, and that is like just being seen, right? So it's like they do something good, and we can just acknowledge them, ask them questions to point in, and that is like that is encouraging and that is powerful and it is it can be way more meaningful than simply a praise of good job you climbed up on this you know <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it's it's the acknowledgement scene um it's the concept of we're seeing both we're sitting with them in their heart and we're acknowledging and seeing their achievements we're seeing and we're empathizing and we're being there in both we're um i will link another podcast episode that talks about this but we're delighting in their existence instead of their achievement so it's i see you 
as you are, you are kind, you are loving, you are all, you know, we talk about affirmations all the time and affirmations, you know, we wrestled with this a little bit before we recorded. Um, and we feel like an affirmation of a soul of a person, of your kid, of your husband, whoever is just affirming their innate existence as a loving, kind, beautiful individual, regardless of any sort of outcome, regardless of anything they ever try to do or they achieve or they fail, like you will always be those things to us. And I think that's like the, the feeling of acknowledgement instead of like the reward praise cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It isn't reactive. So we're not just, you do this, I give you these words as a praise. It's a, sometimes you do things and it gives me the opportunity to acknowledge who you are, which is kind or whatever it is. And that kind of leads us into, we've just been talking about effort-based praise, but then there's a kind of identity praise, which sounds like it's slightly conflicting, but it's not. And there's times when telling somebody that they are something is wonderful. Um, and we'll link an article to this. It's about raising moral children who are helpful contributors. You know what I mean? Who actually like do kind things in the world. And they did a study with children where they, where they like had a group where no, some kids had no marbles and they had some marbles and they had in one group, the, the adults in the room said things like, Oh, you know, that was helpful. That was a nice thing for you to do to give marbles to that kid who didn't have any marbles. But in the other group, they said something like, I can tell you are the kind of person who is kind and helps people when you see that they don't have something, right? And the kids who were set, who were told, like, that's who you are, you are kind. They, weeks later, came back into the same thing. And the kids who had been told that they are kind. So the reason why I think this is important is because I don't want anybody leaving this thinking, I can never tell my kid that they are something, right? Because then that's fixed mindset. When it's something of value, that's how we, and they said before the age of 10, like around the age of eight, and before that is a huge deal because that's when they're creating their own identities. So as parents, we actually have this, it's a huge influence, right? Of if our value is to be kind and be the kind of people who help people in need, then saying things like, you are a kind person actually is really powerful. You are the kind of person who stops bullying when you see it because you care about other people. That's a value that we're saying. And we actually are. This is a full-blown identity praise, right? Mm -hmm. And it isn't necessarily something that's just like, they do this thing, we do all this, this praise. It's actually like a, I see you. And what Felicia was saying, I think us holding this vision for our children is so important. Do we see them truly in their hearts as people who have the power to make a difference in the world because they can see need and they don't turn away from it and they can help people when they're being hurt? And they like, do we see them as that kind of person with that kind of capacity? Because if we see that, it's going to come out in the way we the way we talk. And they might actually grow up thinking that they are somebody who has the power to help people when they're in need, right? Or whatever it is. But when it comes to values, identity praise they have actually shown is helpful. And not only, I mean, for me, all this research is fascinating, but I know that in my core, right? Like I want to help people, not because 
I think that it's some recipe book that I feel this obligation to help people. I want to help people because that's who I want to be. I want to be the kind of person who sees somebody in need and doesn't turn away because, because I see them as a human being, right? So, and in the same actually article, it talked about how even modeling when it comes to giving and that kind of thing, um, they had in one, in one study, it was, they had the teacher just tell them the benefits of acting in a kind way. And in the other group, they had the teacher not say any words, but just do it. And the students who had the teacher who just modeled it had actually way longer term effects of the children actually acting the way they want to act. So this actually comes back to, I think we're going deeper here and saying, what is the vision we're holding of our children? And also at the same time, I think when it comes to this kind of value stuff, what is the vision we're holding for ourselves? Do we see ourselves as the kind of person who can help people? And I know we're talking about this one specific aspect, but I'm just using that as a value. If that is a value that we have, seeing other people as human beings and helping them. Are we modeling that? And is that how we're seeing our children? And this kind of goes into affirmations because <laughs> for me, so I have affirmations at night. I've, I've shared with you guys what it is. I call it the love bath and I tickle their backs and I sing to them this little song. But in it, I say, and as I say these words, you're going to be like, hold on a second, hold on. I don't know. These aren't words we're supposed to use. But I say, you're kind, you're smart, you're loving, you're brave, you're bright, you're beautiful or handsome for my boys. So that's, and I have like 20 other words I say, but those are just the first six words. And did you hear in those words? I say smart and beautiful. Hold on a second. Beautiful is like, has to do with how you look. It's not all, it's just a portion, but of course they're going to internalize that that's part of it. And what about smart? Didn't we just talk about not telling our kids, like rewarding them with like, you did this, therefore you're smart. But the reason why I still feel good about saying those words are for, for two reasons. One, smartness. I feel like growing up, my parents, I knew that they thought I was smart, but it wasn't like a, oh, you did this good, therefore you're smart. It was just a, I believe in their core, they just really thought I was an intelligent person. And I, and they tell me that. So I never was obsessed about getting a specific straight A because it didn't matter. Like it wasn't the end result. It wasn't my grades that made it so that I was smart. I just felt like, yeah, I'm smart. I can learn that. This is hard for my brain. Cool. That's great. I love it when it's hard for my brain because I believe that I can keep working on it until it's easy. So it didn't turn into a weird perfectionist grade thing for me at all. I never felt that pressure from my parents. I just felt like this, yeah, I'm intelligent. I can tackle I can tackle that even though it's hard. It was like a, yeah, I accept that about myself, but it's not tied to any specific action, right? It's just like an identity thing. And I feel like it served me. And same thing with beauty. I feel the same way for me. I don't think there's anything wrong with knowing just as a, like an accepting thing of on the inside, how I present myself, whatever it is. Yeah, there is beauty there. Every single person has beauty and accepting that I think allows you to just move on with the other stuff in life. You know what I mean? Like accept it and then move on. But to me, being beautiful has nothing to do with the way your hair is done that day or if you're wearing makeup or not. I mean, I don't wear makeup almost ever. Like it has nothing to do with any of those things. Like I don't want, I don't want my daughter to walk into the room and I say, oh my gosh, the reason why she thinks I'm beautiful. Like, and I say, you're beautiful. I don't want it to be because I did my hair. I spent a lot of time on my hair and I did my makeup. I don't want that. I just want her to know in general, you're a beautiful person to me mm -hmm. all over. And that's just like an accepted thing. 
and then take that and don't worry about it and just move on with all living your beautiful life, right? Like being your beautiful self. So that's why I'm okay with saying that as an affirmation, as an identity thing, because it's not, I'm not tying it to this is how you look. Therefore, I think you're beautiful. Therefore, if you don't look like this, then I don't think you're beautiful. You could lose your face tomorrow. And I'm still going to say that. Honestly, you know what I mean? Like what I, I want them to know in their heart that that's just how I see them. And my experience with beauty specifically, I think it's the people who <laughs> don't fixate on it actually that I find the most beautiful. You know what I mean? Where it's just like a, I'm confident and I accept, I feel as though I'm, I'm, I'm confident in my own skin. To me, interestingly enough, I think that does actually translate to outward beauty more than any other factor I've ever seen. But to me, that's just the end result. And it's of all the things in this life is so just down on the list. But when we don't feel that way about ourselves, oftentimes it becomes the top of our list and ends up blocking us from doing things because we don't feel confident or whatever it is. But I think if you can just accept, this is how I am. I'm a beautiful person. Like this is who I am. Then it allows you to move past and get to get to actually living instead of just fixating on how we look, which is difficult again in a world of social media and external validation for very specific things. Where did you get that eyeshadow? Oh my gosh, how did you get your brows done? Like, I mean, it's they're getting bombarded all the time from specific feedback on saying, telling them that the outside of them is the most important thing. So what I'm saying, I guess, is I would rather just have it be, yeah, accept the outside of yourself and then let's move past. Like, let's just get on to living because living is so much cooler than fixating on every single way we look on the outside. Does that make sense? I don't know. So I'm, yeah. I guess I'm saying there's a difference between affirmations and just who we are versus reactive. You do this. I dole out this. I don't. Yeah. And I think it like we, I kind of brought this up in the beginning, but it, it comes back to the appreciating the diversity within our kids and within the world and realizing when I go to, when I feel this feeling of praise or I feel this feeling of, you know, like um, even when you're around your kids and you're thinking about praising something that somebody else does or how they look or a way they do something like being ultra aware of, am I seeing the unique value, the individual value in all people? Because, you know, we can say that we love our kid as they are all day until they're the bully. And then are we, are they feeling a different sort of like love from us? Because when our kids are fitting within this vision we have of their affirmations, it's easy to say all these things, but are we really valuing their unique nature? Are we really like still thinking in our mind, like you are so smart to our kid who's in whatever grade and still can't read, but yet they're, they're brilliant at building Legos. I'm not saying one or the other is better. I'm just saying, do we truly feel this way in our acceptance of our uniqueness of our kids? And I think it's like, if you're feeling something like that with your kid where you're like, Oh, like I have this, you know, we get to set the values. So it's kind of tricky because we 
as the parents of this family that we're leading, we are setting the values. So when we have a certain value, I think it's worth like just being aware of like, am I thinking my thing I'm valuing? Like maybe it's sports or maybe it's academia, whatever. Am I thinking it's more valuable than a unique attribution my kid has? So therefore I'm not unconditionally loving them for this unique thing. And when Tara Lynn's talking, it just, it's easy to, or not easy. It's really cool to see it when it comes to standards of beauty. And I think there's a lot of ways that we can question our beliefs of value by looking at what we automatically go, like what we want to praise for, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. I've never thought about it that way, but I think it helps me get clear about what I'm valuing and making sure that I'm seeing my kids for their unique value as well. Hmm. So are you saying that it's an interesting exercise to try to hold that view of your child, that they are whatever it is that you are saying in your mind as an affirmation, like as an identity, you know, like you are this, this, and this, if they're really struggling with something. So are you saying, so how can we hold that? So say, say you're holding the vision for your child that you truly believe that they have a kind heart, but then yeah, they hit somebody at school. How do we still truly see them as good? Actually in our hearts, see them as good while also acknowledging that the actions they just did, that that doesn't live up to that identity that we have in our minds of them. So how do you, how is it just that you simply still see all of them and you recognize that, no, I actually do believe you still have a kind heart. Because actually, as I say this, I actually do believe this. I believe this about all bullies, frankly, that inside, I actually do think it's a, you are not, you are not this action. You are not this anger. You are not this hurt, this fear that, that made the hitting or whatever it is. Let's just use hitting as an example. You truly, your heart, I do believe. In fact, honestly, I've worked with a few kids who have been, you could consider them doing, they have done things that are bullying. And when you get to the core of them, they're actually oftentimes very hurt and tender hearted on the inside, right? So I guess it's saying, I still see you as a person with a kind heart who has done an action that was negative and we need to work on making amends for that or whatever it is, but you can actually still hold the vision for that or how would that look holding the vision for your child, thinking that they are, you know, capable of intelligence and learning difficult things when maybe reading is really hard for them. Can we still hold that for them? Where are you intelligent? Where you are still capable of learning and doing amazing things. Is that what you're saying? Am I understanding yeah, you correctly? I think there's two questions like there's this guilt versus shame which is when it's you know shame is when you're shaming when you're saying the person is bad guilt is when it's like you actually that was not a good thing that you did but I know you can do better because you are kind so I feel like there's that conversation and then there's the awareness as a parent of you know my value, I, I think that I'm just giving this an example. I'm not saying I've thought about this, but say you have, you're feeling like you put a value on, um, people who are extroverted, who can make friends easily and they bring people into groups subconsciously. That's a value you have. So you're like kind of praising that, 
but one of your kids is way more introverted. And so they're feeling from you, they're seeing this modeling of that value and you're missing out mm. on the the unique awareness of their introvertedness. So it's yeah. not like this is a conversation of not good or bad, just uniqueness that we can see in our kids. Yeah. Are we seeing, actually seeing them and not placing, I actually know, I just recently talked to a mother who is an introvert herself and she said that in her own children who are introverts, she actually, she's like, I'm realizing that I am not giving them the message. She's like, I always wanted to be more outgoing or whatever. She's like, I'm placing that as though it is a value because it's not a value. There is actually no better, right? This isn't a better or worse situation, but because she had valued extrovert as better, she was then placing that value on her own children. And when she realized it, she was like, oh my goodness, first of all, I've been doing that to myself. That's why I don't feel you know, like I'm enough. Second of all, I'm placing that same thing. So actually I love what you're saying because you're saying that oftentimes we're placing values on something that isn't, this isn't values. This is just being able to see somebody and hold that space for them, seeing who they truly are. Right. So yeah, I, I love that differentiation that those are two different kind of concepts. And sometimes that takes a little bit of looking inside of ourselves to say, am I seeing my child for who they truly are? Am I still placing them on the same rubric that I placed their old, my older child on or that I placed myself on it or that my parents placed me on as a kid. And that takes some, introspection. And I love that. And I like that you also brought up guilt and shame because we also have a study that we'll include that has children who are with guilt, meaning we're not like going on guilt trips here. We're just saying, yeah, that action was wrong. We need to make amends for that. Or, you know, children who are taught that versus children who are taught you are bad for hitting. So you are bad for hitting is one thing. That's shame. What you did hurt your brother. How can we fix it? that's guilt, right? Children who are taught that way, that the action itself was wrong and can be amended, or you can, you can try, obviously you can't fix everything perfectly. Those children were more likely in the study to admit when they had broken something. So the toy was meant to break. Like it just, there's nothing they could do about it in their play, the toy broke. And the children who had just been taught classic guilt they would actually go to the teacher and say things like, look, I broke it. Like, how can we fix it? But the children who have been raised with shame of you did that and now you are bad, they're the kids who hit it, right? Or like lied about it or whatever. So in the long run, yeah, I think this is a really important thing when we talk about praise, that shame should never be a part of any of it. When our kids do things that don't live up, this is the opposite of praise, right? It's the opposite side of the same coin though, that anytime our children do things that don't line up with what we're hoping for them or they do something that's wrong. Shame is not the answer. Shame is never the answer. And oftentimes we don't say those words, you are bad. Sometimes parents do, or they give a label like you. I mean, think how powerful the label of you are a helpful person is. Think how powerful the label of you are terrible. You are awful. You are a troublemaker. You are a bully. You are, I mean, saying things like that, think how powerful those, you are lazy. I mean, those are labels that are really, really, really identity powerful words. So I think, I mean, I don't want to be overly dramatic here, but I would say, at least I tell my kids this, I should never want to hear those words ever, ever. Like, I think we can just eliminate them from our vocabulary completely. Why would we ever want to label our children in a negative way? But there's nothing wrong with saying that specific action we need to change that. You know what I mean? Or this is why that didn't work. This is why that hurts somebody else. This is why this isn't serving you. 
think that's really helpful. So I'm really glad you brought up that difference. Yeah, and we'll leave the article, but the evidence shows that positive value labels have great end results, but the negative don't. And we'll link it. It's a really great article about it. That just shows how negative we can label our children either way. So when we say things like, you have a kind heart, you're the kind of person who does this, that's powerful. And the same thing goes the opposite direction. So um, one thing I want to just point out also in all my reading about praise, gratitude is something that is helpful. It's just like gratitude and showing love. In fact, this one article, it was in 2014, my dad sent it to me and it kind of blew my mind because I just had little tiny kids and it was, so if you're questioning on what to say, you can always show love, you know, hug, eye contact, connection, that you you cannot have too much of showing love to your children. And the second one was gratitude. I think when it comes down to us, sometimes we don't know. Yeah, we don't want to be the person every day being like, oh my gosh, you did such a good job emptying your, the dishwasher, which is your daily chore. We don't want them to be doing it so they can just get our little dopamine, our little like hit of praise, right? But just saying with true gratitude, thank you for emptying the dishwasher today. I see, like, just like I see, I see what you did. I love that as a mom. I love it when somebody says, thanks so much for making me dinner, mom. <laughs> I love it, yeah, right? I love- and I actually, that's part of our family value system is we actually require our children <laughs> at the end of every meal to say thank you to whoever made it, right? They say thank you for the delicious meal. So even when we're at somebody else's house, even though they have meals being made for them every day of their lives, I never want them to stop saying thank you for them, you know, and take it for granted. Yeah. So I think I think that's a valuable part is even if we I, – I think that even if it's something that we expect our kids to do, like clean up after themselves, we can still thank them. If we feel that genuine gratitude, still thank them rather than saying like, good job, you cleaned everything up. Because then almost that implies that it's like, yeah, like we didn't necessarily expect it to and we're only doing it because they're only doing it because we praise them. But if we can genuinely show appreciation, I think there is a lot of value to that in a household of just showing appreciation for, even if it's something that's already expected of us. I think that's, I think that's valuable. Yeah, I think that brings it, really full circle to how can we focus on authentically valuing our people for their unique goodness. And if all else fails, if you forget the words, come back to that. All right, guys, praise has brought up so many things. This conversation was fun, probably inspired 20 more episodes. So thank you for being here and let's find the magic. Brown cows. <laughs>